do you want me to do it? Who I did I mean, it last time. I know you're so gonna wants... use this portion in the episode anyway, so yes. it's already started. Oh, yeah. it's already started. I vote okay. Shay brings us in. Has well, it brought us in yet? No, it's too late. We're already in. Here we are. I've I've liked four times, man. I'm greedy. We've already established I don't pay uh... attention. <laughs> Okay, hey everybody! Thank you for tuning in to Q to Q to Q to Q to Q. Uh, nope. How yeah. many Qs this week, Shay? <laughs> Extra Qs. Straight Qs to you. Uh, my name is Shay Willard, and uh, I'm in Nashville. And who else? Who else is on this show? My name is Ben Hanley. And I'm Becca Boyer. Welcome everybody to this week's edition of chaos um we're here to talk about the latest and greatest in theme park news and dive into a topic of our choice but before we get into that we have to talk about the most important part of the episode shay how was your week oh my gosh so good uh i'm trying to think of anything like theme related that i've that i've done over the last who, week who needs it to be related you what did i this do week? this week um oh well a buddy of mine actually a buddy of mine who uh who produced an excellent youtube video about the ride that we're going to discuss today you should look mm. it up his youtube channel is called um thematics like theme antics like thematics Mm. uh he only made a couple episodes but they are high quality stuff and one of them uh, which i helped edit actually was about this attraction so he's in town um and so i've seen him a couple times and he and i and a couple other folks are actually heading back to uh, king's island this weekend so i'm very excited for that uh that's that's what i've oh, yeah. done uh but yeah, what have you done um worked <laughs> still just grinding um we are in full swing summer season. Actually, this week we um, extended, we're open Wednesday to mm. Sunday now. So um, I'll be over there Wednesday to Sunday doing my thing. Um, I'm just kind of like gearing up for our move to, to Georgia. It's kind of weird because like basically as it stands now, I, at the end of July, our lease ends and I take a week off to go move down to Athens and then I'm flying back up here and I'm sticking, sticking to New England until it uh, looks like early November. All right. And this so is Athens, just, Georgia that you're moving to? Athens, okay. Georgia. Because yeah. I lived in Athens, mm -hmm. Ohio. Not Greece. For three years. So yeah, I'm here back oh, yeah. a lot. Different Athens. So yeah, Ben. Well, What'd in a strange twist of fate, oh. it is not Becca this week, but it is I who is starting a new job. What? <gasps> Unfortunately, what? if you're playing the drinking game, you can't drink because that's a whole new one. But yeah, it's just a <laughs> starting a restaurant job in Portsmouth, so I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, cool. Where are you um, working? Mm. Uh, it's a new place. It used to be, uh, you know where Rira's was? The, the old bank? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so Rira's is gone, unfortunately. It's a new place called Portsmouth Feed Co. Portsmouth Feed Co.? Cool. The barbecue place, and I'm really Ooh, excited. All right, good for you, man. It's right in Market Square. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, yeah. Other than that, week three of uh, grinding at the gym, feeling really good about myself. Awesome. Things yeah. starting good. to look up, man. Nice, great. Very exciting. Well, good news <laughs> all around. That's great. Um, is anybody drinking this week? I'm drinking. I am actually trying to reintroduce some alcohol to my life. All right. Yeah. Cool. Like it, what do you got? You so I am drinking. I'm pretty sure we did this one on Q to QK. I had to remember what the name of the show was called. <laughs> we haven't done uh -huh. it in a while. We, you know, we haven't done uh, it in a while. I made so myself fair. a little Southside Fizz. Uh, <gasps> the 
That was my favorite yep. drink we made. That was so Gin, good. Gin, sugar, lemon juice, and soda. And it's uh, a classic. Because I use, so you know, I, I melt the sugar in because I don't have simple syrup, so. <laughs> what kind, did you, did we just, I don't remember because it's been oh, forever. Did we use a flavored soda? Nope. Or did we just Cold use? Soda. Oh, oh man, it was so yep. refreshing. It was the literal perfect soda. So drink. I made it with a little extra lemon. So it kind of tastes like a lemonade chiller. It's pretty, pretty good. Amazing. Shay, you drinking? I am drinking. I, uh, so I'm still... I, I bought a lot of moonshine a few months ago, okay? Four mason jars worth. <laughs> so I'm still yeah. working my way through. Uh, today, I I had some leftover coffee from a from a batch that I made this afternoon. And I was like, I'm going to take a little bit of coffee and a little bit of creamer and a little bit of chocolate moonshine Ooh. and see what that turns into. And, and I got to say, guys, that was a really good idea. It tastes pretty good. I will have to try that. Sounds mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, feeling good about it. Yeah. Are you drinking anything, Becca? I am. Um, yeah. We're back. Like I said, we're back in the swing of summer, and I got my classic Wachusett strawberry Ooh. back in season. Um, one of my favorite beers of all time. So I'm I'm delighted mm. that it's back in my life. Um, it's a seasonal one from from Wachusett Brewery, and um, I've heard rumors that they're trying to make it a like permanent beer, and I would be very happy in that case. Ooh, that'd be nice. Great. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's excellent. Well. I guess we can move past the uh, formalities of this pod and jump right into the news. Um, (laughs) Shay, I like your wording on this. Thank you. Uh, So the first story is, of course, uh, the the daytime spectacular at DAC, which I don't actually know what it's called. I'm calling it Rivers of Kite. Yes. Yes. Um, It seems as though they will probably be moving the, uh, the little jet skis from Epcot Forever over to the former Rivers of Light um, stadium uh, at DAC, and they will be doing a daytime spectacular, flying a bunch of cool looking kites all around. I'm sure there will be music and various mm. things and uh, and Rivers of Light, E will be missed, but I, I'm excited to see this because daytime spectaculars with kites are not new to uh, Walt Disney nope. World. Now, of course you know of the nighttime spectacular with, uh, with kites that's happening uh, well, we'll be restarting in a week, Epcot forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in the early 90s, also in Epcot, there was a, a daytime spectacular called Surprise in the Skies. And that <laughs> was uh, very much like, it sounds like what they did for Rivers of Kite. And uh, um, I think it only lasted for, for like a year, maybe two years. Um, I heard a variety of rumors as to why it was shut down. Uh, I, I will not comment on them because i don't remember i don't remember if i heard any of them under uh under right. ndas but the point is that it was only there for a year and a half um and i am excited to see kites return to the skies the daytime blue skies of florida awesome yeah that seems like a theme that's really gonna fit animal kingdom pretty excited I just, for that i i hope uh and I'm, I'm sure they have like learned the lesson of rivers of light in which they will get the like a more of a balance between cool art storyline and entertainment because that was that was the one thing that like rivers of light was we've talked about it for days uh <laughs> i believe shay that was like our first real conversation was just rivers of light for a half an hour <laughs> and it, it was so good but so it was so missed by a mm-hmm. lot of people so I'm, I'm hoping that there's reminiscence of it and then just uh, spectacular cool kites kites are cool man yeah, kites. I'll be I'll be interested to see if they 
they bring back some of the rivers of light infrastructure um right you know like I couldn't I, imagine they wouldn't. Come on. Yeah. Like, it, it, you wouldn't be able to use any of the projectors, of course, because you're in the middle of the day. But like the water, you could shoot the water around those, those, uh, the, the barges, like the lotus barges. I don't know what they look like under the light of day, but I have to imagine they look pretty decent. And They look fine. Yeah. And like, I've seen them in the light. There you go. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you have. Um, and uh, it'd be cool because I know that like, uh, let's just say that if all they did was push a button and basically run rivers of light during the day it would still be fine and they could just kind of do right you know do kites around it um so i would be interested to see if if you know they change up the music or whatever but keep the choreography kind of the same uh I'd love it yeah it'd be cool i love rivers of light so any any hint of it back would be a <laughs> win on my life yes um Let's talk about the Main Street electrical light projections. Um, this in it's this like new spectacular down down Main Street, and this is in so these are all announced for the fiftieth, right? Yep, yep. So there's this, there's Rivers of Kite, there's uh, uh, Harmonious, and then the new nighttime spectacular at Magic Kingdom, which I don't think they've announced the Can title. We- for yet oh i think they have they did okay um but can we talk it. about how i hope not that i hope it doesn't last but like i love happily ever after so it, i it, do love happily ever after as well i um I, you know so D- disneyland i'm gonna talk a lot about disneyland right now so um because disneyland has a bunch of different nighttime spectaculars like because they are a locals park and they kind of need to keep changing things in over the span of time when I was there, you know, three years that I was like a regular at Disneyland, I would say I witnessed one, two, three, four, five, six different nighttime spectaculars inside oh, of yeah. Disneyland. And I would say three of them were like new, quote unquote. And the other three were ones that they just had lying around. Um, the most, mm. the, the one that came back that I was very excited to see was Remember Dreams Come True, which is the 50th anniversary nighttime spectacular. And then I think like right before COVID shut them, shut us down, I think they were either already showing, re-showing the 60th anniversary, or they were like about to start showing the 60th anniversary um, spectacular. And I think with the the amount that these shows are relying on projections now, because that's the big thing with this new show is that the projections are going to go all the way up and down main street, which they're already doing at Disneyland. They have been since the 60th back in uh, 15, 16. Um, And by the way, that's beautiful. It's amazing. It feels so good to be in the middle of projections and it it makes, it almost makes it worthwhile to stand on main street instead of in the, uh, in the hub no bias from shay over here projections designer hey, look it's, <laughs> it's totally awesome it really is um and, and so yeah so uh with it as these shows continue to rely on um projections more often it's going to be a lot easier to change them so i think that we're going to see this show that's going to run for probably like a year year and a half and then yeah they're probably going to go back to happily ever after and then they might, you know, then introduce a third show and then sort of have a repertoire of shows that they kind of change out every year or so. Um, or you could do seasons too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, they, they already have projection shows for Halloween and for Christmas, so they and might as Christmas, well. Christmas, yeah. Yeah, so they'll probably just extend those down Main Street uh, for the future. Um, 
yeah to final out uh this show is called enchantment ah great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um they because I, I remember reading the uh the disney parks article and that was like one of the only things i was like oh but i love happy ever after but it could also be like i said my bias of listening to it every night <laughs> so yeah um i could tell you exactly when mass exit happens yep <laughs> <laughs> um cool i am excited um Excellent. i'm hoping i'm hoping to be down there like the third week in october Ooh. hoping because that's also a merce fest and i'm planning on hitting that mm-hmm. oh, yeah that's right uh, mm-hmm. so let's talk about the next thing the incredibles contempo contemporary what yeah contemporary <laughs> so uh today actually just today they released pictures of one of the new rooms that they have uh refreshed at the contemporary with an incredibles theme which when they said that they were giving the contemporary a a new theme based on monorail and the incredibles there were a lot of suspicious people and looking at the pictures i think the suspicions were correct which it just kind of looks like they took a bunch of incredibles art and threw it into sort of an ikea um I don't know. I, I'm being negative. It's. Ooh. I'm sure it will bring interest back to contemporary, which is nice because the contemporary is not contemporary anymore, and this will hopefully plus it and bring it to a point where it's more interesting to to your average Joe. But just in general, it just looks it looks kind of standard with Incredibles characters. It's just so funny to me that like like you said like we're trying to bring contemporary back to being like being contemporary, but I think that like. There's at this point with it, uh, almost similar to like Tomorrowland's issue of like, at this point, why are we even trying? Why don't you make the contemporary be what it meant to be contemporary art in the 70s? Do you know what I mean? Like, why not just time capsule it? And like, that's the style of it. Other than the fact that <laughs> yeah. the 70s was boring. Nah. <laughs> I think that's, that's a good idea. Art was brown and that was great. <laughs> everything brown if only it was called the modern hotel then we would have beautiful colors and stuff but <laughs> no um i don't know i haven't seen any of these pictures yet i'm sure i'll stare at them as soon as we get off the call but i, I think it will go for any other ip based overlay like i know art of animation does really really well with their with their themed rooms um i don't know how caribbean beach goes because caribbean beach has its own issues with its layout let alone their their pirate rooms you know Mm. um but hopefully yeah it'll bring it back if only the contemporary wasn't so fucking expensive then maybe people would go visit it (laughs) that's that is also a fair point (laughs) sorry too negative (laughs) nah dude this freaking living with the land shit Uh uh-huh we need to knock off like social media clout grabbing. It's pissing me the fuck off. You, you know, doing it for for the gram. I don't know if they were doing it for the gram, but I've seen too many of these wild stunts. So for context, somebody jumped off the living with the land boat to try to get a cucumber. Mind you, she almost lost her foot <laughs> in the process because she slipped. Well, that would have showed her. Yeah, but. I uh... I know it's ridiculous. Now we're gonna have to have like get fully strapped into living with the land. Right. That's what people, people need say. to respect the ride and you know the property, and they don't. I just 
I just don't understand the motive behind it of like, like what? I think you're absolutely right. It's off the gram. It's for TikTok, you know. I think it's just, it's, there's now a series of people doing ridiculously stupid stunts at these parks. Like we had Water Guy a few weeks ago for, I guess it was a couple months ago of that kid who was just, he was a cast member and he was drinking various waters from different drinking fountains in the middle of a freaking pandemic. Like, I just want people to knock it off. I want people to grow up and yeah. respect properties, respect specifically private properties. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's That's the biggest thing too, is it, when you see that people are getting views and getting shares, even if it's bad press, you're like, oh, great. 15 minutes of fame. I'm going to go do something crazy. Right. It's just bad encouragement. It is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So guys, just stop, please. It's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I am accusing any cute key fans of doing stupid crap no. like this, because obviously, <laughs> if you came to us, you're a little more cultured. <laughs> um, our demographic is between 25 and 35, so I think we have most we have some good adults sitting with us. So, um, hopefully, they're Excellent. all adults and they act like it. Um, just respect the property, everybody. We've said this a million times. Just yeah, just do it. Just, just do it for him. It. It's like uh capri sun respect the park oh yeah <laughs> absolutely sorry um what's yeah. next shay so let's move uh, away from the mouse for a bit uh to some of my esoterica so uh there is a roller coaster maker named uh, zamperla mm-hmm. and <clears throat> i think it was today actually they released their plans for a new model of roller coaster called the double heart coaster and usually I would mention something like this, but it's so interesting looking and you should go look up the video for it because it's super cool. So it's it's off the shelf, sort of like a, a boomerang or a deja vu where it's like you, multiple parks will just buy this roller coaster and they will all have the exact same roller coaster, but it'll have a different name depending on where it goes. And mm-hmm. what makes this cool is that, um, is that I mean, two things. So the, the thing will be over 200 feet tall, which makes it a hyper coaster. And it doesn't have a lift hill. It's it's like it's like a, a horseshoe shape thing, and mm-hmm. it launches you forward first. Then, as you're coming back down the horseshoe, it launches you backward, oh, and then you come back mm-hmm. down yet again, and it launches you forward up over the um, the horseshoe, for lack of a better term. And then it goes into an inversion onto the other side where it's now a second heart where it goes down into another horseshoe and then up into another inversion back around and then into the first inversion again. And what's really, really cool is that unlike boomerang or deja vu, um, you can be loading one train while another one is on the like ride track because at the bottom of this first horseshoe is a turnstile. So Hmm. the, um, you're loading this train, the other one's running, and then when the train stops in the middle, they're both right next to each other, and the turnstile just literally turns 180 degrees, and the now loaded train is put onto the main track and starts its launch, and the the second train starts loading again, which is going to be great for capacity. I kind of hate it, and it scares me a lot, but I'm interested. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, it's going to be super cool. I know that, like, I don't know, the Imagine if we could have a deja vu or a boomerang, but be able to load two trains at once, literally doubling the capacity. It would be magical. That's pretty amazing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the pictures. It looks very interesting. Yeah. Crazy. Cool. Uh, well, I'll keep an eye out for that then. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, the other thing is that uh, Thunderhawk, that is a... Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't put down where it's from. Uh, Thunderhawk, which is at Dorney Park in Pennsylvania, which is one of the parks that I grew up with, uh, that is getting the ACE, the American Coaster Enthusiast, historic landmark status. There's like something like 50 coasters in America that have this status. Uh, the Beast at Kings Island is one of them. Um, and it got this way because that roller coaster is 97 years old. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, uh, which I will fully admit, I did not know there were any roller coasters in America that old. There is another one in Pennsylvania on the other side <clears throat> that is uh, older than that, only by a few years. But what? Thunderhawk is crazy old. Yeah. Uh, the Cannonball is almost there. Wow, really? How old is Yankee Cannonball? Cannonball was built in 1932. Wow. Yeah, it was moved to Canopy in 36. It's getting there. Where was it first? And yeah, actually, the, it's a fun story. The Yankee Cannonball was um, was built. Hold on, I'll find the name. But uh, when it was moved, uh, they actually had to take six inches off either side because it wouldn't fit in the footprint. So they took off six inches on either side of the load platform to make it fit in the park. Um, it was developed by. It was made in at Lakewood Park in Waterbury, Connecticut, and it was moved in um in 19 wait hold on maybe i'm getting my numbers wrong in 1930 it was installed under the name roller coaster at lakewood park and then it was moved to it was rechristened the greyhound in 1935 and then eventually named the cannonball in 1983 but yeah it officially opened um in 1936 at canopy lake park um and my big my favorite fun fact about the park that i tell people is that um the Philadelphia Toboggan Company made the Yankee Cannibal as it did most roller co- wooden coasters back in the day. Um, and they also built the dance hall theater at Canopy. So if you look at the structural support system of the dance hall theater, it's actually built like a roller coaster support, not like a building. It's <laughs> fucking cool. Excellent. That's really I love it. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do uh, a good video based on those things soon. <laughs> Working on it uh what was happening at six flags oh and shay did you not see this no i did but i was asking a leading question no who needs them (laughs) um so six flags this week uh and we'll see it you'll see it in an upcoming vlog um six flags has an off-the-shelf ride which they've put in a few different parks and it's called the harley quinn spin sanity and it's basically a giant um like rotating base swing ride yeah frisbee ride right it yeah it just kind of swings you back and forth and spins you a whole bunch but the reason the spin sanity is such a big deal is because i believe you get like more than 90 degrees up and also you're like up you're like 75 feet in the air it's fucking stupid (laughs) but this ride at maryland the six flags america in in maryland uh I believe the story is that the speculation is that the e-stop, like the emergency brake, as well as the motor were operating at the same time, which is bad. Um, And with riders still strapped in, the support structure was literally bowing and like bouncing up and down. 
and still no, like I, I couldn't find any reports on like why this happened, what happened. And I, I everybody was safe and it's okay, <laughs> but it was just ridiculous to watch. So, uh, man, I should ask my engineer girlfriend to confirm this, but if I had to guess, you have seen those images in the past of like bridges that are, you know, looping like spaghetti. You know what I'm seeing? Like, like the video, uh-huh. the bridges are just like whatever. So metal and certain things have like a particular um, frequency where if they vibrate at just the right frequency, they do stuff like that, where they get all wibbly wobbly. And if I had to guess, that is exactly what happened on that ride is, you know, if there was some random thing, <clears throat> like a wind or or some just some random occurrence of things that made the correct frequency. I don't mm-hmm. know, man. It was not a good look for Six Flags. <laughs> yeah, according it to was... them, a safety sensor tripped, and that's why they shut down the ride. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, it makes yeah. sense. It, it just better safe than sorry, right? <laughs> oh, it was man. just really frightening to see the Boeing support structure of an eighty-foot-tall structure <laughs> with people still strapped inside, and, and and part of it was that they couldn't get them out because of the safety trip. Like it literally was like the restraints were locked. It, it was it was just frightening. Hated it. But we're all good. Moving <laughs> right along. Yeah, great. And I think uh, that's the news. I think for that's this it. week. Yeah, thanks, Becca. We should ask Becca what she thinks. News goes. What? I'm saying I'm thanking you, Becca, and then asking other Becca how other Becca is doing. Other, other Becca happening. being the commercial Becca. Oh. Ah, yes. Yeah, we should wonder what she's talking about. I wonder if it's changed. No, probably not. Hey everyone, I just wanted to tell you about our new partnership with ScribbleScript Studio. ScribbleScript is an independently owned small business specializing in custom lettering designs. The artist behind it, Emma, is located in the Orlando area and frequently she can be found visiting the parks for inspiration. Some of my favorite stickers are her Happily Ever After Dumbo sticker and her Tower of Terror suitcase. So check her out on Instagram. Make sure you let her know that Q2Q sent you. And if you're looking for some fun stickers to put on your laptop or your favorite water bottle, make sure you check out her Etsy shop at Scribble Script Studio and use the code Q spelled just like the podcast at checkout for 15% off your order today. That's code Q Q U E U E spelled just like the podcast for 15% off your order at Scribble Script Studios. And we're back. We are back. Indeed. Welcome back. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I have never gotten sick of that ad. No, never. It nope. just you know, when I have it's, a hard time falling asleep at night, it just, it lowers my blood pressure. So I just put on that portion of an episode and just listen to it. Honestly, that's <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. That you're just like, mm, Becca's voice. So relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon content, Becca's ASMR channel. Anyway, moving right along. No, never. <laughs> Don't even threaten it. <laughs> For it's legal just reasons, like, that's a joke. It's just like various, it's like me walking through like theme parks. oh boy uh anyway let's talk about what we're talking about today (laughs) and yeah what what are we talking about about 
Spoderman. Spoderman. The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man The Ride is our featured content of the week. And uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later. The reason why we jumped into Spider-Man this week is because I learned in passing while he was out the door, going out the door, that Mike's dad, my boyfriend's father, worked on The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man. What? Oh. And he told me this. Like I said, as he was walking out the door and I was like, I have so many more questions though. So uh, later on in this episode, we'll actually have a portion in which I, I called him and I interviewed him. So we'll be able to hear some of some of what he has to say. So we kind of just awesome streamlined mm-hmm. right into talking about Spider-Man. And obviously we were gonna get to Spider-Man because it's iconic, <laughs> um, groundbreaking and everything. So uh, Shay, why don't you uh, start us off? The year is 1990. The theme park rivalry is strong between Universal Studios Orlando and Walt Disney World. After the debut of Disney's MGM Studios, Universal Studios was fighting the market as being the best studio-style park. Of course. Successfully, of course. Yeah, I mean, legend states that Michael Eisner was actually involved in the pitch meeting for the Orlando Park and stole the idea for a studio park. So MCA Incorporated, those are the people who owned Universal back in the day. They had a plan. The code name was Project X. Even from the early 1990s, they were beginning to toy with the concept of a second park joining the studios, establishing Universal as a multi-day destination in and of itself, just like Walt Disney World. Oh, before we get too far into this, sources are Theme Park History, UltimateRollerCoaster.com, LA Times, Orlando Weekly, and the Amazing Adventure of Spider-Man article from Theme Park Tourist, uh, and Wikipedia, <laughs> of course. Anyway, um, Universal Studios, sorry. I always have to cite our sources because like, sometimes it's a little too close to what they already wrote, and I don't want to get plagiarism. I just want inspiration. Um, Universal Studios Florida was a, would pitch a second park called Cartoon World. Gary Goddard with the Goddard Group devised an incredible collection of attractions to make up this second gate. Rumors uh, for the Northwest Mining Camp, which was themed to Jay Ward's Dudley Do-Right cartoons, um, Popeye's Island, the world of Seuss, and the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes land would pack the park with beloved generations proving sights, sounds, and stories. And that was, again, all rumored to be going in mm. to what we now know as Islands of Adventure. Right. The last land, however, wouldn't focus on wonder, whimsy, or delight. The last land was devoted to action, adventure, and crime-fighting justice. That's right, kids. We're talking about superheroes. Obviously, we had to see Marvel at Universal Studios. Wait, wait, Ben. Did you just say Marvel? Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. My friend, Marvel is what we got, but it wasn't the plan. Wait, what do you mean? All right, though we all know what came to be at Islands of Adventure was a Marvel superhero world, that wasn't always the plan. Gary Goddard had always loved DC and set to work designing the DC superhero land. Naturally, he designed the land to be one of the extremes. One half of the land, Gotham City, would be the dark side of superhero land, themed to the gothic, gritty, industrial, uh, you know, like Tim Burton, Michael Keaton films, and of uh, that Gotham of Bruce Wayne and his alter ego, Batman. Now, Goddard's plans for the Joker's Madhouse attraction had guests enter into uh, as like a mix of a haunted house, carnival, and a walkthrough to access a wild mouse style roller coaster slash dark ride combination mm. with uh, an elaborate post show of a 
Twisted Carnival Ride. Uh, Wait, that the... sounds real, real familiar. Yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking the, about. The um, Gotham City Gauntlet over at Six Flags New England oh, yeah? is a, a Wild Mouse style coaster. Really interesting. When was that built? Do you know? I don't know. Sometime I'll look it up it was... while you're talking. Yeah. Carry on. Uh, oh, okay. So, uh, Batwing—that's another ride. Batwing, meanwhile, would have been a suspended twin coaster face-off between Penguin and Batman, wherein the riders would choose either the Penno Wing track or the Batwing track. And this inverted coaster would then dart along the streets of DC superhero land, racing together and then diverging to burst through show buildings before dueling at key points along the uh, coaster's track. That also sounds a little familiar. Um, one moment, please. I'm consulting my Six Flags app mm-hmm. to find out when this, this coaster was, was made. Mm-hmm. Um, where is it? Hello? God. And while you're consulting, the reason I ask is because I haven't been to Six Flags New England in it got to be 15 years. And uh, I just remember that they used to have the Joker's wild card a ride, and I never got to ride it, and I was very sad about that. But uh, um, I've never I think heard. it's the same ride, Loki. Um, well, the Joker's wild card was... I don't, oh, wait, was it? Was it a... Uh, wild mouse i actually don't know i assumed it so, wasn't but i never read it so yeah. gotham city gauntlet was opened in 2011 uh joker's wild card oh wait joker's wild card is the swings isn't it oh is it swings i don't know i i, I never get to write it i was too tall true story <laughs> sounds right yep um Anyway, so yeah, 2011 was when Gotham City Gauntlet opened, um, but I it might have had a different name before that. Who knows? Yeah, Six am... Flags changes the names of their rides every other lawsuit. So um, <laughs> <laughs> the other half of the land, Metropolis, would be the City of Light, themed to the Art Deco architecture of Chicago and New York in the 1930s. Home to Superman. It's here that guests could enter the glimmering glass skyscraper of the Daily Planet, become field reporters, Aboard a cutting edge thrill ride. Hmm. 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 That's right. So you talked about this on our Marvel Equation video on the YouTube channel. Um, anyway, Universal tried to grab up a bunch of the stuff, but found themselves head to head with Time Warner, who owns the rights to both DC Comics and Looney Tunes. It was now a battle of royalties. Time Warner wanted 10% of the royalties earned from the park's revenue, but MCA, the owners of Universal at the time, wouldn't budge from six. Rumor has it, MCA's chief operations officer, Sidney Scheinberg, was so fed up with Time Warner that he told them, we don't need your uh, redacted expletive characters, thus ending hopes for Cartoon World. While it may be difficult to imagine now the 1990s were a difficult time for a company called marvel entertainment group in 1992 a core group including seven of its most sought after artists left in mass to form image comics leaving marvel kind of stranded um by the middle of the decade the entire industry had slumped and in 1996 marvel entertainment group officially filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy Marvel was in a tough place in the deal of an era, not the, not the decade, not the century, an era took place. Marvel gave Universal Studios the exclusive United States rights to build a theme park, to build theme park attractions based on Marvel Universe in perpetuity. So that brings us to 1996, where the amazing Omni-Moving Spider-Man was born. Also me. But wait, did you say Omnimover? That's right, Becca. I'm listening. 
with Spider-Man now taking Superman's place, Goddard and company devised their most unique plan yet. Use a three-decade-old ride system, but enhance it in a way that has never been seen before. Well, obviously, they want to use an Omnimover system, right? High capacity, power, point of view, keeps people coming, especially if they're looking at this as the biggest draw to the land. Right. And in the case of this Spider-Man ride, that ride vehicle plays the role of the camera became crucial because Goddard wanted to incorporate something wild. These Omnimovers would pass through physical built-out sets that would be extended by 3D screens where the action could take place. So inspired by Disney's new enhanced motion vehicles or EMVs, as we see in uh, the Indiana Jones adventure in Now Dinosaur, Universal hired Oceaneering International to create their own 12 passion, passion, 12 passenger motion-based simulator pod capable of six degrees of freedom. You got heave, sway, surge, yaw, pitch, roll, and 360 degrees of rotation. Development for the ride began in 1996. The designers wanted to create a ride that took the motion simulator elements from Back to the Future, the ride, and combined them with the 3D effects of T2 3D, Battle Across Time, to make a one-of-a-kind stunning dark ride experience. The result was combining a track-mounted motion-based ride vehicle with physical sets and projections. So to develop this attraction, Universal Creative brought together a number of companies, including Oceaneering International, Burkitt Engineering, Moog, Sound Deluxe, Kleiser Walzak, and Reinhardt Manufacturing. And as I mentioned before, Mike's dad uh, actually worked on this attraction when he was working at Moog in New York. Uh, They tested the ride system out there, and he actually had to visit Orlando to make sure that the programming um of the system was was all good because mike mike's dad tony catalunya he's a he was a senior engineer at the time for moog so uh now is a great time to uh bring in his little segment and hear it just straight from him of of how he worked on on the ride when you were involved in the amazing adventures of spider-man the ride which company did you work for because there was a few companies that universal hired outside of Right. I worked for Moog Incorporated. That's M-O-O-G, I-N-C. That's not to be mixed up with Moog, Moog synthesizers. They're two different. Uh, their primarily, primary product is flight control systems. Basically, you know, they made the, you know, the, 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 uh, the actuators that move the flaps on your aircraft, keep your aircraft stable. And what was your position there? At that time, I was a senior engineer. Okay. Um, so how long had you worked there at this point? Well, there's a story behind that. I came to Moog when Moog bought my company. I was actually at the time working for Allied Signal in California when Moog Incorporated in East Aurora, New York, bought at least that, that division of Allied Signal that I was working on. So it was like in 1995. So from there to the year 2000, so what role did your, your company have in designing <laughs> Spider-Man? Okay, now, this, that's a mystery to me as how they got that contract. But I just, uh, one day I just kind of heard, I heard about it and heard they were looking for people interested. So I went over and spoke to the manager and all that. And that's how I got on it. Now, what I, know, what I, I saw uh, how Moog's expertise applied to it is that the platform that moves the ride what they did is they uh, they used software that was used to simulate a um, aircraft movements, you know, like pitch, yaw, roll, 
Mm-hmm. That's basically what you're riding on when you ride the Spider-Man ride. And um, <clears throat> there was a guy, a good friend of mine, by the way, who programmed the ride by scripting it. I mean, you know, he decides what angle it should mm-hmm. roll at, what angle of pitch and all that. So he, he, did, he, he did the work on that. And <clears throat> I was there to test it, to test what he did. So that was my role. And it was to... Um, uh, to test it and also to um, to see how far I could bring it. Now we had a prototype in East Aurora, a prototype platform that I would um, I would work on, you know, looking at the different movements and everything that he had programmed into it. Okay, so do you know if they had done any work with Universal Studios before, or do you think this was the first thing? No, uh, no, I this- think I think this is one of their few commercial contracts, mostly. Moog, well, I was—I shouldn't say that because they do—they um, uh, do work for uh, commercial, um, like Boeing aircraft mm-hmm. manufacturers. This is uh, the first time I'd seen them actually take a contract outside of, of an air, aircraft manufacturing company. How long were you in Orlando for this project? Uh, yeah, I go there for a week and then come back for uh, for another week, and then I would tend to say I was there about three weeks. So did you ride the ride or did you just observe the ride? What was that process like that? No, the ride was not actually, the, the ride um, was not actually, all that, all, all that was there was the platform. So I never rode, we, I never rode anything. I would just walk alongside it and okay. watch it. Watch it, because I needed to look underneath the platform and watch its movements and everything. And also look at this computer screen when I needed to. <laughs> There's a good, there was a there was a computer running that platform underneath it. <clears throat> so what it did is we just we just went to go through the tracks, and I would um, kind of trot alongside it. And another guy would do so on the other side. There was a guy there that knew how to control it, <clears throat> you know, and steer it while I I would I would observe it. Okay. <clears throat> and so that was the repeated. Um, um, repeat done repeatedly. You know, I I think that it had to pass a safety test and all that. So mm-hmm. the more data we got, the better. Uh, the better. Um, was so was this an overall like interesting and different process than something else, or did it just kind of feel like routine work to you? For me, it was routine work because uh, the um, the area that it was being done in had not even been built yet. It was kind oh, of so like it's just like the building, right? It was like a building that's under construction. The things, things weren't really set up yet. Um, they got the tracks in, but nothing else was really there. And um, so it was regular work. And it was, there was a, it was cordoned off from the rest of the park, too. It was like a work area. So no one was allowed in there except people working, you know, who were working in there. There was a, there was a fence, a temporary fence around it. Got it. Um, now... <laughs> Would you ever be interested in in writing this thing now that now that it's up and running and it's such an iconic oh, attraction? Sure. Would you would you go back and do it? Well, I would like to write it because I never got to write it. I just got to observe. You know, basically just got to get it certified, observe it, and and watch the software um, at work. But we never really rode. Uh, like I said, the, there was never really a ride at the time I was working on it. It, it was like in the beginning stages. Okay. I had heard there was a guy working on the vision, um, you know, with his, by vision, I'm talking about the, uh, the 
the uh, visual part yeah. of it where you could have Spider-Man jump on the thing. And some they said that he that they would go there sometimes and try out their software, but I never, I never, you never overlapped. Uh, yeah, we never overlapped. They they had their time to do it, and we came at our time, which was kind of disappointed me because I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, that's one of the the most that's iconic parts of that ride is that Spider-Man will physically it looks like he's jumping on the ride yeah. vehicle and it <laughs> tilts down, and I'm see, sure you've seen that motion happen a bunch of times, just not lined up with the projection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, is there... I think it's okay. yeah and, and it's... all that in fact uh oh go ahead go ahead sorry no go ahead i was going to tell you that it, um at the end of the project um came back to east aurora new york and the um, engineer from universal was there you know we were going to close things up and i told him that you know we can drive this to the limits i can show you how this you know we can make this ride even more or more exciting than it is now and he said show me and man, I dang near break, but I, I, I damn near broke the thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I put, uh, you know, I, 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 I reprogrammed it to, <laughs> to the, to the, to the maximum. Now we would never have passed a safety test if we, if we had released it that way. But I, all I remember is that <laughs> dang near broke it. But, uh, but the other guy just, just stood up and cheered when, <laughs> when we did it. That kind of marked the end of our pro the end of the project. He stood up and cheered. And, yeah. That's great. <laughs> I think that they use a, if the similar system, if not a, the same system for it. They have a Transformers ride too, and I think they they borrowed some of the same stuff. Possibly working with Moog again later, just after you, because oh. uh, Transformers came out about ten years after Spider Man. So. Um, Maybe they worked together again. Maybe they just borrowed some uh, some of the stuff. Well, um, at the time, at the time I worked there, uh, there was a group of Universal engineers that, at least, uh, that were trying to come up with their scheme to do it. And the technique they were thinking of using, I thought was a, I thought was actually a pretty good one. I wonder why we didn't. Well, I know why we didn't use that technique, because we didn't have the expertise. But they were going to use a different uh, controller instead of a PC. Which is what we use. We just use a regular PC, and they were going to come up with a uh, something called a PLC, Programmable Logic Controller, mm -hmm. um, using another la a language called Ladder Logic, and that's what they that that's what I think they said they were going to use. Which I thought actually was a better idea, and I have a feeling that if I looked at the Spider-Man ride today, I I would be surprised if the PC was replaced by the PLC. Uh, Pretty, uh, because I think the PLC is actually faster in execution. Yeah, well, thank you so much for talking to me about this. I found it very oh, interesting. Um, like I said, I'm we're always looking for friends who have connections. And when you had told me that, and I, I was I was joking with Mike of how could you have told me that on your way out the door? Like, I just wanted to keep talking to you about it in the moment. So thanks for for jumping on this Zoom call with me. Oh, not a problem. By the way, that shirt you saw me wearing—that—that that wasn't passed on to just anybody. I had—I I, kind of—I spoke to. Uh, there was a guy who was like a business manager for that. I spoke, told him that I wouldn't mind having a shirt. Got it. One day he walks—he walks by me and just shoves a shirt into my uh, <laughs> into my arms. Amazing! And now <laughs> you have proof that you worked on Spider-Man. 
so that was some of the interview with Tony Catalunya. If you want to hear the full interview, you can head over to patreon.com slash Q to hear, to hear, hear the full thing. We, we talked for, for not super long, but uh, very interesting to hear, hear the story of how he ended up at Moog as well as what they had done with it. And Moog also um, working on this, this vehicle, they piloted the vehicle to then be used for Terminator or to uh, Transformers rather. Mm. So same system, just uh, now it's two levels. But the innovation didn't stop there. What? Because, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guests would be moving toward, away from, or past those 3D screens. Animators, they had to consider the perspective shift that viewers would naturally encounter if there really were alleys, warehouse, rooftops, villains, um, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Un- unheard of. Unheard of, uh, completely. Uh, now, ultimately, they developed a never-before-used process they called squinching, meticulously accounting for a viewer's moving sightline and effectively distorting the animation to match. So Spider-Man invented squinching? It did, Ben. It did. Okay, so we've talked about the development of the developments of the ride. Can we talk about the ride itself? Sure. So on March 27th, 1999, Islands of Adventure soft opened for technical rehearsals with Spider-Man being on the debut attractions list. On May 28th, 1999, the attraction officially opened to the public. And due to the success of this original attraction, it was actually completely duplicated, copycat every single piece of it over at Universal Studios in Japan on January 23rd of 2004. Guests enter the Daily Bugle through Marvel Superhero Island in Islands of Adventure or the New York section of Universal Studios Japan. Guests are shown a video that highlights the company's good reputation and then introduce them to a new technologically advanced news gathering vehicle, the Scoop. After walking through empty offices, guests are shown live video feed news coverage. Five supervillains, Dr. Octopus, Scream, Electro, Hydro Man, and the Hobgoblin, known as the Sinister Syndicate, have lain siege to the city using an anti-gravity cannon created by Doc Ock. The Syndicate has stolen the Statue of Liberty and threatened to destroy it if the city does not surrender to them. As we walk through the offices, it becomes apparent that the reporters are so scared that they have fled. This leaves the Bugle's editor, J. Jonah Jameson, no choice but to send you, the tourist, out to get the scoop. After donning your night vision goggles, quote unquote, you board the scoop and head out into the back alley in Manhattan where we first encounter Spider-Man. He warns guests that this could be one of the most dangerous nights of his life and yours too. Nearly missing a cameo of Stan Lee hitting you with a garbage truck, the scoop whisks you away into the warehouse where the syndicate is holding the Statue of Liberty hostage. Listen, Shay. If, yeah. if you aren't Spider-Man, I don't know who could be. That is such a great impression of that. that <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so once you're spotted, Electro tries to shock the scoop with a sparking wire, but the scoop simply absorbs the electricity and vibrates. Then the sc- then Scream lunges at guests and tries to shred them with her claws, but misses, and Doc Ock fires his anti-gravity ray, missing as it hits the Statue of Liberty. Guests escape into the sewers where Spider-Man is waiting, but Hydro-Man is waiting and slams a pipe into the scoop. Spider-Man attacks him as as the scoop moves along. Just then, Doc Ock breaks through the brick wall. Narrowly avoiding Doc Ock, the scoop approaches a river where the Hobgoblin uses his pumpkin bombs to attack guests. 
Spider-Man comes in to catch one of the bombs, but Hobgoblin throws another one that hits a bridge and explodes. The scoop gets away. That is one of my favorite effects in any ride. Mm-hmm. The, get, the one... Yeah, it's practical fire that matches the projection. So it looks like the pumpkin flies like up kind of on the other side of a brick wall, and then that brick wall explodes with real fire and real heat up above you. It's, it's... real hot. It's yeah. real great. It's Universal great. Studios and their pyro effects in rides, 10 out of 10. <laughs> Hey, fire and water, they know how to make it work. Now, somehow, Dr. Octopus grabs hold of the scoop with the anti-gravity cannon and brings you up 400 feet. Spider-Man attempts to bring it back down, but the syndicate continues to attack on your way up. Spider-Man thwarts them, but not before Doc Ock can disengage the anti-gravity cannon, sending you falling from the building. And this is achieved by a downward tilt motion, the walls physically moving, and these projections that are running up. And uh, Anyway, we are rescued by Spider-Man's webbing. Uh, Spider-Man has managed to capture all the villains, and he thanks the guests for all of their help, despite being absolutely no help at all. Uh, before Sounds we can leave- familiar yeah, to we... uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> uh, dinosaur. Uh, also before, that. before we can leave, we see J. Jonah Jameson floating about our heads in the ray of the anti-gravity cannon while classic Spider-Man themes as we exit to the dulcet tones of Stan Lee thanking us for saving the world. Yes, we love it. Uh, the Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man was such an amazing innovate, innovative attraction that it held the Golden Ticket Award for Best Dark Ride from 2011 to 2010. Wait, like, what, what years were those again, Becca? <laughs> I'm stupid. 2001 <laughs> to 2010. I don't know how to read. Um, hey, that's my thing. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to leave it. Who cares? Uh, it was only beat out by another one of Universal's groundbreaking attractions, which is Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. It was such a successful ride that it actually received a huge refurb in 2011 to convert all of its film to 4K, which that's probably where I got the 2011 from. Mm. I was just reading Yeah, there it. you go. Um, it is to this day regarded as one of the best amusement park rides of all time it's like if i ask anybody about their their one trip to universal studios like 10 years ago that's the ride they remember the most mm -hmm. it's a, it's worth noting a, a rumor that i heard uh is that you'll notice that the ride was redone in 2011 and i i would say i think it's actually more than 4k i think they like completely reanimated everything yes um, they did and that happened, of course, uh, three years after the Marvel Cinematic Universe began, um, which, which I believe means it was about four years after Disney officially owned Marvel. So rumor has it, and I, literally, this is the most bizarre rumor ever, and I don't actually see it being real, but I have heard it, that actually Disney helped like finance that refurb because they wanted the the marvel rides to be good because they were like we don't care where the rides are people are going to associate marvel with us and so we want this to be amazing well it's worth noting that the that 2011 was right before the next spider-man movie came out in 2012 so it was oh, man, it yeah. reopened um with right before that those next the next series of spider-man mm -hmm. so um I don't think it was a coincidence is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It'd be interesting if like maybe Universal, Sony and Disney all kind of got together and they're like, hey, we want to, how, how do we want to divvy up this thing? Because we all benefit from it. So how who's paying for what? 
Well, right. So, and that's, and that's the thing is, is we, like I said, if you want to get the full details, you can head over to uh, the YouTube and watch the Marvel equation video. Um, But it's just universal's in such a, such a crazy position with Marvel in Orlando, like truly Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Love it. Love Marvel superhero Island pretty awesome and that our dear listeners is the history of the amazing adventures of spider-man the ride mm-hmm. so i i do i want to i want to take an opportunity to uh to bump my buddy kevin's video again sure absolutely semantics because you know we we just we just uh went down the history of it and his video uh it's it's around 10 or 12 minutes long might be even longer um yeah, it touches on a little bit of this history, but the grand majority of it actually digs into the specifics on how Spider-Man the Ride tells its story using the different mechanical systems within it. Um, it's actually really cool. fascinating. He talks about like the the concept of Chekhov's gun and how that actually relates to Spider-Man the Ride. He discusses. Wow. Oh yeah, no, he really digs in. It's fascinating, and I highly recommend that everybody go go check it out. Yeah, we'll um, definitely post it in the show notes so everybody can have ease of access. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's really, really good stuff. And you know me and my obsession with story, and I, 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 attend, I don't think I stole anything from his video for this, for this thing. So please go, 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 go. Chekhov's gun. It. Yeah, no, it's Ooh. fascinating. It really is. I, I won't tell you how he talks about it, but it, it makes a lot of sense when you. No, uh, I can't when, wait. When you break it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Spider Man is one of my favorite rides like like if i had to pick a favorite ride um in islands it's it's a toss-up between spider-man and forbidden journey oh yeah they are very similar in in the ways in which they they operate um i think spider-man's a more exciting ride than forbidden journey is you're Um, you're not gonna rank uh hagrid's up there i haven't been on hagrid's jay oh man Okay. Can't rank it if I haven't been on it. All same right, thing with right, Rise, same thing with Mickey Minis. Can't do it. I'm so sorry. Um, I mean, well, huh? Hagrid's is wonderful. It is smooth and fun. I don't know if it's better than Spider-Man, but I would say it's better than Forbidden Journey at this point. Well, then Spider-Man takes it. Well, I yeah. mean, best dark ride until Forbidden Journey, right? That's, oh, that's man, yeah. the crazy part, is that it was ten, approximately 10 years Mm-hmm. In which it won Best Dark Ride, and how many rides opened between then? Like a lot, and it's still ranking. Yeah, like I mean, just I, Islands of Adventure in general is just such an amazing park. Like we, we we joke about Mythos being you know the best themed restaurant on the world for how many years running, and like it won that award again last year. Like Islands of Adventure is kind of overlooked because a lot of people come to Universal. Or, or come to Orlando uh, in order to go to Disney and then they'll visit Universal on a day off or something. And the majority of those people are like, I want to see the Harry Potter stuff. So they'll walk past all of these amazing themed experiences in order to go look at Hogwarts, which don't get me wrong, Hogwarts is great, but there is so many more things to do in Islands of Adventure. Yeah, it, I, I've said it, I was just talking about it at work the other day that, uh, oh, because one of one of my my pals is going going down to Orlando in the fall, and he was talking about how he can't afford the Disney annual, but he got it Universal. And I was like, I just love Universal. It's just, I, I think they're really. People say that Disney is better than Universal, but I, I think that's it's starting to be an argument now. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. 
especially with the the immersion that Universal's hitting recently. It, it's just crazy. Um, and Spider-Man doesn't disappoint. The thing is, is like old, like some older attractions will be like, oh, well, that's an older ride. It's, it's whatever, you know, but it's like, we talk, we've already hit the mummy on this podcast too. The mummy and, and, and Spider-Man still hold up to this day of like, I would not be upset riding it. Nothing's dated in either of those rides, you know, other than Emotep probably needs a little update, but he stills there. It's just, I don't know. Universal Studios, man. Spider-Man. Good <laughs> shit. Mm-hmm. Love it. Final thoughts, Ben? Yeah, I uh, can't wait to write it. <laughs> oh I feel like God. that's the fun tagline of all of oh. these episodes. It's just Ben saying, can't wait to write it. Well, you know me and Universal. Your enemies, sworn enemies. Yeah. We'll get you there at some point. Universal can try. Well, <laughs> thanks so much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on most social media, uh, on Facebook at Q2Q, at Instagram at Q, uh, Q underscore two underscore Q, and on Twitter at Q2Q, the number two. Um, and where else can you find us? Once again, you can subscribe to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Q2Q, just spelled like the podcast. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. That is just $12 a year, and you'll get access to great bonus content like the full interview from Tony Catalunya. And you will get access to Q2Q Kitchen and outtakes and bloopers and so many other great things. So you should really consider doing it. Yeah, shout out to Kyle Crane, our most recent Patreon member from, from Theme Park This. We love yeah. him. I'm very right. supportive over there. Sweet. Um, and also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you give us a little rate and a review. It really, really helps our listenership. We're bumping up slowly, and I've noticed. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everybody, for subscribing. And uh, Shay, any final thoughts? I can't wait to write it again. Great. And we will see you guys <laughs> next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.